Every one of us in this stage and season of our lives, we can still want all of our promise. Everything that we've obedient and walked with the Lord with, not perfectly, not about perfect obedience, it's about consistency of trusting in him and, and walking with him. And just for the record, he got the land of Hebron, which was the highest elevated city, one of the oldest cities in all of Israel. That's what he got for his reward. The only issue was it was a walled city. It was occupied by the sons of Anak, who were giants. Uphill battle all the way, 85, fight the giants. And he took it. And he took it. <clears throat> you know what he said before he started up? He said, perhaps the Lord will be with me today. Guess what? I thought I'd have it all together at this time. The Lord is still requiring faith. <clears throat> he is still saying, <clears throat> I have to say, will the Lord be with me on this? And on that thing. And trust in him to do that. But he did take the city. <clears throat> he got provision the fields and everything around for the remainder of his life. He gave inheritance to his children. And you know what he did with the city of Hebron at 85? He gave it back to the Levites as a city of refuge. <laughs> and it became a ministry and a healing place when he was 85. One of the little things, it was at Hebron that David was crowned king and established the throne upon which Christ reigns forever. 85, baby. Can't wait to get there. <laughs> I'm running for it. We're gunning for it. God still has purposes for us in the church. We don't ever outgrow that. Amen, that's right. These young men keep us young. I love this church. I love the, the atmosphere. I love being with the men. I, I told David, I told the service before, uh, you're just the most diverse, unified group I've ever seen. <clears throat> you know, it's not about being alike. It's about being in agreement, isn't it? Yeah. That Jesus is Lord and we love to worship him and we're liberated and we're free and we can be wild. <clears throat> and, you know, and I, and I appreciate the fact that David and Amber with him pour in to this body a freedom and a liberty and a passion for you. Because what the leaders pour in the pot, the people drink. And so it's important to have that. And I just bless them for that. Okay, uh, let me say, Judy's uh, book, a book that she published this last fall, it took a, a life to live it, a whole life to live it, and 10 years to write it. But she persevered and came through. It's called A Journey Different When Life Turns Left. And in our time, in our seasons together, and it, it's really... Uh, well, I will say this. <coughs> With Bethany, we have three children in heaven that preceded us to heaven. And uh, because of the faithfulness of the Lord, because of him speaking uh, into uh, Judy's life, into my life and our lives together, this chronicles that. But for Judy, as the author of the book, it chronicles from her time as a young girl beginning to hear the Lord say things before she ever really knew him as Savior. He was already talking to her. <coughs> And it was his voice, it, it, his voice. When Bethany went to be heaven, when we got the call at 1 o'clock in the morning, she said, oh, Lord, this one's going to kill me. And the, and the Lord just said this, my ways are higher. That's all. And this book chronicles the faithfulness of the Lord. It's, this isn't a grief book. <laughs> it's a book about the goodness and greatness and faithfulness of the Father. It's a book of encouragement. In, in some astounding uh, situations and circumstances. It's well written. It has her heart. She's a storyteller of uh, great stories. Oh, so someone that was not in the first service, 
Who was not in the first service? Give me a, a number between one and three, or with one and three. From one to three, give me a number. Three, okay. <coughs> All right, who else was not in the first service? Uh, give me a number uh, between uh, one and 22. 17. Okay, I need one other person not in the first service. Give me a number between uh, 1 and 13. Eight. Oh, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Gave it wrong. Between 1 and 7. Six. Okay. So 1, 3. This is 3. Uh, 17. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Well, that takes us all the way to the back row. <laughs> all the way to the back row. Let us bless you with this book. That's Judy's book. It's signed. Y'all take that and share it. I do. Uh, there are some signed copies at the front. It, it's, uh, it, is, it will bless you. We've had many people that have read the book. They call back. They ordered three copies or five. It's $14 uh, for a signed copy. It's available on, uh, on Amazon and, um, and uh, other things. But I just want to tell you about that. But people have called back and ordered copies because they say, I know someone and they're going through this incredible circumstance and they need hope. It's a book of hope. So just wanted to tell you about that. Yeah, she's actually had probably more men that have written uh, letters and notes and, and come back to her about how it just touched their hearts. So this isn't a book for women, written by a woman, but it's a great book. Okay, we have the scripture for today. It's a privilege to be our love being with the men last night. They just are, are, are great, and uh, love to see uh, men and, and uh, women worshiping before the Lord. I've blessed the uh, worship team and the praise team for just pursuing the Lord in, in song and, and drawing his spirit in, into the midst of that. And I really love seeing daddies dance with their kids and their babies. Mm. Man, I love that. You're modeling something. You're liberating them for life. Okay, this is from, in Luke 17, this is from uh, the Passion uh, Translation, and I've really grown to, to love that. And this is what the Lord put on my heart as I prepared to come here. <coughs> and I'll let David comment afterwards about how this fits into, how about the Lord speaking to him about this season in the church. <coughs> so read with me. <coughs> Jesus traveled, not out loud, I'll read to you because I'm going to stop and make some progress. So just follow with me as I read, okay? Jesus traveled on toward Jerusalem and passed through the border region between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered one village, ten men approached him, but they kept their distance because they were lepers. But they shouted out to him, Mighty Lord, wonderful Master, won't you have mercy on us and heal us? When Jesus stopped to look at them, he spoke these words to him. them. The reply just amazes me. Go and be examined by the Jewish priests. That was the word. So they set off, and they were healed as they were walking along the way. 
one of them, a foreigner from Samaria, when he discovered that he was completely healed, he turned back to find Jesus and shouting out with joyous praises and glorifying God. When he found Jesus, he fell down at his feet and thanked him over and over again, saying, you're the Messiah, this man. And this man was a Samaritan, an outcast, or not fitting into the Jewish tribe and tradition. And Jesus said, with all of this going on, Jesus said, so uh, where are the other nine? <laughs> Weren't there ten who were healed? They all refused, Jesus said, to return to give thanks and give glory to God except you, the foreigner, the outcast from Samaria. And then Jesus said to the healed man, lying at his feet, arise, get up, and go. It was your faith that brought you salvation and healing. This is amazing scripture. Uh, you know how you have scripture and it's logos, it's written word, and you have it and you memorize it, it means some things, and then, then you read it another time and it's just revelation. It's just rhema, just beaming out, new and fullness of life. And uh, this is when, when I read this, I, I began to come to some understanding. So here I want to ask, I want to ask you all with this, as, we, as you soak up that story, uh, our Baptist pastor that really fed us in our early marriage and life with the foundation of the word said, always ask when you're reading scripture, what did it mean then? What does it mean now? Yeah. And what does it mean to me? Put it in the context. Otherwise, you're just reading, writing. All right, so let's look at it and what it meant then, and then let's, but I'll, I'll, as we're doing that, be thinking. I want you to picture yourself in this picture. Picture where you stand, picture how you're participating. And, and collectively, what does that mean? Does it look like as we are here today in, in uh, Rock City Church, all of us together, and Jesus has been ushered in through the worship, and his presence is here in the Holy Spirit, and here we are. And then I want you to, be conscious of what does it mean to me, to you, individually in that. First of all, uh, I note that as Jesus comes with something fresh and new, like he is doing right now this morning, because why? His mercies are new every morning. He's always fresh. He's always full of more that we haven't even imagined yet uh, for us. And so uh, imagine that, but then notice this. There was a group, it says 10 of them, and they were there because they heard Jesus was coming, but they're kind of standing back here because they were lepers. They had leprosy. And that was, that was just the worst condition at, of the time. It was because here's, it, oh, and I'm going to, let me, let me say this. Well, no. In Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, there are two whole chapters. I learned this as a, I'm not brilliant. I just read footnotes and go chasing them when I find a pathway. It brings me understanding. You know, there are two whole chapters, Leviticus 13 and 14, just on leprosy, 116 verses. I don't think there's any other segment of the Bible given to any other disease as, as 116 verses altogether. And it tells about leprosy. And here's the situation with leprosy. When they had it, this was the law. 
always wondered why Jesus' response to them when they cried out to him and they would, to be healed, why his, his response, you know, you, you think, well, is he going to anoint him with oil, lay hands on him? He's going to spit in the mud a little and put it on, what, what's he going to, he just says, go and be examined by the priest. The law in Leviticus is that if you have leprosy, you have to go and be examined by the priest. They were the ones appointed in the, under the law to diagnose if people had leprosy. And they were trained with the kind of sores and was it oozing and what color was the hair coming out of the sores and how long did they have it and what was the condition of their skin and all of these things. And they would say, you have leprosy. And when they say this, imagine if you're one of them. They're examined head to toe, sores, hair, plague. They, sometimes their heads are shaved, their face, their eyebrows. But they're put outside the city in isolated camp and quarantined and despised and avoided for the rest of their lives. That's, that's how bad a situation that was. That how bad the plague was. They lost their identity. They lost their family. They lost their friends. They lost their work. They lost their community. They lost their honor. They were dirty, and they smelled, and their clothes just became rags covered with the filth and the this. And they had to walk around. It was the law. Wherever they went, they had to say and warn people about themselves. Unclean. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. But they heard Jesus was coming. I heard he was coming here this morning. Mm -hmm. They heard he was coming. You know what happened? These outcasts, despised, that stood off and drew back themselves, they got disruptive. They started yelling. They started letting Jesus know, we need what you have. We're here to be healed. We're here to be rid of this plague, of this filth, of this dirt, of this shame of this despising, of this isolation. We're here to be delivered and healed from that. They kept their distance, standing back. When I wrote this, I wrote a note in here. It would be like, if we said, what would that look like now? It'd be like 10 people filing in with masks on that had coronavirus. Saying, where's Jesus? And they're just walking here in the aisle. We're just all pushing back. Get, get back, stand away from them because they're infectious. It was, a, it was a pretty ugly scene, but they said, Mighty Master, crying out and shouting out, Have mercy on us and heal us. You know, one thing I love about this church is uh, you guys are pretty disruptive. Yeah. You're free to be disrupted. You have a disruptive pastors. You can yell, you can shout, you can say, I want it. And that's a good thing. That's a, that kind of freedom. I would suppose there are 10 of you today, or maybe more, maybe a lot more, that are desperate to have Jesus take care of something in your life to cleanse you, heal you, remove the burden. Burden from to be healed from desperation or illness or pain or regret or shame or failures or sin. 
and he's ready to do it. I have good news for you. You can cry out to him in this place at Rock City Church today, and you can tell him what you want. Now, we're going to have a moment near the end where we are going to signify that there's something we want Jesus to touch in our lives and heal. But I want to finish the story with you. <coughs> One of them turned back and came back to Jesus. He was still dirty, still smelly, still inappropriate, still ugly, but he was healed. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and began to thank him and praise him and praise God for him. And Jesus said, where are the other nine? Where are they? They refuse to return. They refuse to give thanks. Show appreciation and give glory to God, except for you, the foreigner. Listen, appreciation and thanksgiving is highly rated, highly important, highly essential in the kingdom of God. Our appreciation and our thanksgiving to him. One Thanksgiving, I studied Thanksgiving. I found that it's first used in Leviticus chapter 7, verse 14, where Thanksgiving is given as one of the offerings in the, in the seasons and times of offerings, and it's a wave offering. It requires a physical manifestation of a wave offering before the Lord, and it is the sacrifice and offering of Thanksgiving that it happens before the offering of peace for peace. Thanksgiving precedes peace. It's last used in Revelations chapter 7, verse 14, where the elders are in front of the throne with the angels and they are giving thanksgiving to the Lord for the goodness he has, living in the midst of peace, his peace for the eternity with the Prince of Peace. Philippians 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let all men know your patience and your forbearance, how you're waiting on the Lord. And make your, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, make your request and your, and your pleas known to the Lord. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I think thanksgiving... Is important. I think saying thank you, Jesus. I think that's worship and praise is a part of that. But I think verbalizing it to each other, our appreciation when someone else ministers in the body of Christ to us, that we show our gratitude and our thanksgiving. I mean, just like David, and, 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 he's, and he's spoken it as he introduced us before, but he, he talks about it with appreciation of how God used Judy and I. And we weren't really making an effort. We were just being available right. and, and just loving. And he states that, and guess what? I just I still get chill bumps every time he says it. It thrills me that he appreciates what God did through us, and it blesses us. And you know what it does? It encourages me. So I want to bless more. See, that's how the kingdom of God works, <laughs> that appreciation and thanksgiving. It just expands and it grows. And Jesus says, 
And so this, this dirty man, un, unqualified at his feet, says, uh, you're the Messiah. This man was a Samaritan. Uh, let me say something uh, about being disruptive and calling out. Uh, <coughs> from the time I was a Baptist and began to see, uh, I, I told the other group, if, oh, I want to tell you this again, I just, I just love this story. So Judy grew up Methodist and pretty straight line and MYF president and when she was in high school and, and, and heard from God and, and, and her family loved God in that but never really heard a salvation message of the transactional death of Jesus Christ. He gave his life for us and we invite his life to us. <laughs> we give our life to him and he comes to dwell and live. She had never heard that. But she grew up believing that God was there. I grew up in Southern Baptist Church. We heard it every week. I can sing just as I am blindfolded. I was saved on about the 14th verse of just as I am. <laughs> but I was really saved. So when we got married, one of the things we had to do, decide in our pre-marriage counseling, which, which church we were going to go to. Well, we decided on Baptist and uh, praise the Lord. And not long into that, we were already teaching Sunday school classes. We weren't in the church three months. At First Baptist Church, Fort Smith ran about 3,000 in Sunday school. And, and that we were teaching. Judy was teaching a class of high schoolers, ministering greatly, unsaved. <laughs> but wanted to be in. Her heart was good. She wanted to be in on, on the activity of the church. She went into evangelism school, learned to present the gospel, presenting it in one of her early times doing it, and telling this person, all you got to do is transfer your trust from yourself to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. It's just in her book. Holy Spirit said, you've never done this. You've never done this. She turned to her trainer and she said, did you say something? She said, no, I didn't say anything. She turned to the guy she was witness to, did you say something? No, I didn't say anything. Holy Spirit said it. She started crying. And, then, you know, in just a matter of a day or a few days, she's with someone and, and crying and saying that. And she receives the Lord and she's saved. Takes off like a skyrocket. And then this little Methodist girl getting saved, then she has to jump out ahead and receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. And there I am, a, a deacon at First Baptist Church, and my wife's speaking in tongues, and way out there. <laughs> now, uh, about six months later, I spontaneously, uh, in, in prayer, driving back from Texas to uh, uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in, in tongues. Here's the thing. <laughs> when we were trying to decide about the church early on, and then we chose Baptist, this is what Judy said. She said, okay, I'll go to the Baptist church. But if you ever say amen out loud, I'm getting up and leaving. <laughs> that was her toleration level for manifesting anything openly about God. So then she gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And so just a few months after that, so it's 18 months or so from when she said, don't say amen, we're at a conference and the worship team is just taking it to, to the next level of heaven. And this is what I said to Judy. You need to get down off your chair and quit screaming and yelling. <laughs> she said, you keep doing that, I'm going to leave. <laughs> 
Isn't, isn't it amazing when uh, we invite him and give him reign and give him his freedom in our life? He'll take us places, and, and we need to follow him. We never know what act of boldness or what act of freedom is going to touch the heart of a person next to us. And I spoke to the men last night about setting those examples in your homes. And so because of that and receiving that, the Holy Spirit, our girls grew up in an atmosphere where people would be in our home. This would happen at church and people would be in our home and we would pray for them and sometimes they would fall out in the spirit and we'd be praying over them. And our daughters would come in with their friends through the living room where people are laid out saying, <laughs> Daddy, can we go pet the horses? Yes, okay. They were raised where, listen, being out under the Spirit and speaking in tongues and being prayed for and being released and set free, that was just part of the normal environment. Just part of the normal environment. And they're filled with the Spirit. And Spirit-filled husbands and Spirit-filled grandchildren. I told my cousin, I said, I don't understand that. I grew up Southern Baptist. Everybody I know now is getting filled with the Spirit. All my family, uncles, cousins, brothers. I don't understand it. She said, don't you remember our grandmother? Mama and Papa were my maternal grandparents, Texas, Arkansas. Don't you remember them? I said, yeah, Mama never went to church. Papa just went and sang in the choir and never said anything. And uh, she said, but Mama had all of our pictures on the refrigerator, and she would lay hands on them and pray for us to receive the Holy Spirit. I said, what? I'd never heard that. She said, well, yeah, because Mama's father, back in 1904, living in a little town in southeast Arkansas on a dirt road, and he owned a general store, but he was Methodist, and he preached on, at, the, at the little church building on one Sunday, and the Baptist, my other maternal uh, grandfather from my Papa's side, he was Baptist and preached on, on the other Sunday. <coughs> But they came, this guy, Brother Walthall, was at the Azusa Street Revival and he got filled with the Holy Spirit. 1904. 1904. And he came and rode in on a horseback to that town. He stopped at the general store, said, I'm here to bring the message of the Holy Spirit. The Baptist church said, not in our building. But Brother Lambert, my great-grandfather, said, you know what, I got a room at my house. Why don't you come stay there? So my great-grandfather and grandmother were filled with the Holy Spirit and all 11 children in the home. And one of those was my grandmother. Mama was filled with the Holy Spirit. Put our pictures on the thing, filled with the Holy Spirit. My mother, no, my daughter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Me and my Methodist wife filled with the Holy Spirit. All of our children filled with the Holy Spirit. Now our grandchildren being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Listen. Yes, yes, Lord. When you open a door for the Spirit of God in your life and in your home, it's about generations. So I'm asking my cousin, I say, I don't understand this. She said, your great-grandfather in 1904 opened the home. It's 1920. We're six generations later being filled with the Holy Spirit in households. And now I've got grandchildren that are going to be going out, and we're praying for them, that they'll marry someone filled with the Holy Spirit. And it goes on and on and on. That's how important it is to say yes 
Have your way in me, Lord. Have your way in me. See, the thing is, is there are a lot of people around us and we're sitting there and we hear voices. And the voices uh, say this. It did to me a, a lot before I got wild. The voices said, uh, yeah, but what will they think? What, what will my kids think? What will the people next to me think? What about what will the other worship team members we think? What will they think? What will they think? I just uh, one key thing to understand that is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that is not the voice. That is straight from the pit of hell. That kind of taunting in that, and it's just something carnal in us that says, you know, don't be embarrassed. Don't embarrass yourself. Don't embarrass God. What will they think? And uh, as we saw people come and lay before the Lord and, and minister. The Lord really opened and changed our hearts about that. And here's what he taught me about what they think. When I hear that, what do they think? When that comes to me in any circumstance, even now, doesn't come much more. I just turn it so fast. I just drop the T. And it, you know what leaves? Hey! Hey! Get away from me. That's not from the Lord. If you're going to try to stop me, enemy voice, from a being and doing something to the Lord, for the Lord, and put in lying on the floor or whatever it calls for. If you're going to challenge me, I love the challenge. Thank you for reminding me I'm going exactly the other way. I'm going on the floor. I'm going on the floor. I'm going on the floor. I'm going to do it. Even though they want me to stand off, I'm not going to let what they think ever stop me doing from what the Lord is asking or calling to do. And I say that, I, hey, I still screw up and mess up and fail and have to repent in that. But I tell you what, I have an attitude now. And Judy has this attitude, even more so than I do, I think. If you hear God, do it. Here they were, they, they, ten guys are outcasts and they're dirty and they're filthy and they've announced that they're unclean, but Jesus is there and they risk it and then they get uh, rowdy and difficult and shouting and, and he does it. And here... The great Messiah who they proclaimed, he says, uh, go be examined by the priest. <laughs> That's all he said. Guess what they did? They, went, they turned and they started going to be examined by the priest. As they turned, as they said yes, as they forgot about what the rest of the crowd would think, they were healed. They were healed. So we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to do healing in our midst today from things and baggage and old things that have uh, oppressed us, that burdened us, that have kept bondage in our lives, even though we know the Savior. There are things we hang on to that somehow we can't get. We feel unworthy. We pronounced ourselves unclean. We said Jesus can't really deal with this thing. It was so horrible. It was so unfair. It was so injustice. Or it was, and, I don't, and I haven't forgiven somebody. They haven't forgiven. He can take care of it all. He can take care of it. He wants to take care of it all. And he wants us to say yes to that. But the thing of appreciation, I want you to keep that in your heart and mind too. That because your testimony of what Jesus is going to do in your lives this morning 
becomes a testimony of prophecy to another person that needs to hear. Can he really deliver you from the from divorce and make you useful in his kingdom? Oh, get out of my way. Now, hey, John and Carol are not. Toronto, Airport Vineyard, three million people traveled to go and be prayed for in the Holy Spirit there, but no church would have them. But John Wimber in the Vineyard Church said, I'll give you a I'll give you a place to preach. There's a metal building at the end of the runway in Toronto. Y'all just go there. And both of them divorced and married. And they just said, come on, Holy Spirit. And the, and the whole outpouring in Toronto began. Three million people traveled there through the years and were set free. God will use whoever says yes to him. He doesn't care what the scar is. He doesn't care what the sin was. He died for every one of them, and it's complete and it's clean. And you're going to thank him, and you're going to praise the Lord. Here's, here's a, a last thing before we call for the Lord to do his work. There are three, at least three different words used for healing in this short passage. When they turned to walk and they were healed, that's one Greek word. And it means to be cleansed, to be healed and to be cleansed. And then when the, when the other man comes back and he's thanking the Lord because he's been healed, it means, it's another Greek word, but it also means to be cured and to be cleansed of the plague. And then Jesus, at the end, after, he's, after the man has come back and falls at his feet to thank him for what he's done, Jesus says, your faith has made you sozo. He's made you clean. He's made you pure. He's given you salvation, and he has made you whole. Now get up and walk. Get up and go. This time you're not going to be healed. You're going because you are healed and you're made whole. That's the value of Thanksgiving. It completes the process because it carries the testimony on to the next person that needs to hear what Jesus can do in lives. Make sense? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? So here's what we're going to do. <clears throat> I'm going to ask, in just a moment, I'll ask, we'll all do it together. Uh, all who, no pressure on anyone. This may be your first time here, but there was someone for the first time here in the first service. And he stood up. And when I did drop the tea and said, hey, something shook in him. Big strong guy, came up with tears running down his cheek and said, I, I got touched and God said something and I want to come and I want to be in this environment and I want to be in this place, in this fellowship, which is the freedom of the Lord. So, go ahead. So here's the thing. Uh, we're going to stand uh, together. If you have something that you want the Savior to heal and cleanse and purge you of and make you whole about, okay? Now here's the one, one kind of little rule I'm going to ask. When you stand, I want everyone, whether it's husband, wife, children, friends, person next to you that doesn't know you, just got to know, what was that you were stood up for? Don't ask and don't say. The Lord has you later shared something, that's, that's with you and the Lord. We're standing up before the Lord, but in the midst of each other, unashamed, 
with expectance that he's going to heal and make you whole from a burden, sin, shame, bitterness, unforgiveness, or something that you've had for a long time. But Jesus is in the house today. And I want right now, I want you to stand up if you have something you want him to wipe clean today. Thank you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. When I first learned about deliverance, you know what I learned? <coughs> deliverance is kind of like taking a bath. One in a lifetime is not enough. Sometimes we got to stand up again and say, Lord, I want, I want to deal with this. I just want to wash this off. I can't, I'm not going to take the shame, bitterness of that any longer. So right now, in the name of Jesus, by standing, each one declares. Each one declares, no more. Lord Jesus, Messiah, healer, heals, have mercy on us. Make us free and cleansed and whole today. And Lord, we promise you, we will give you praise. We'll give you acknowledgement. We'll give our appreciation to you, Lord, so that we can not only be healed, but that we can be whole, so that we can share the testimony of your faithfulness to others who have the need. And so right now, we drop the T, forget about the they, and say, hey, we're free in Jesus' name by the blood of Jesus. We receive it. That's simple, Jesus. That's simple. That's simple. That's simple. And we give you the glory, Lord. We give you the thanksgiving. We drop the burden. We drop the memory. We allow you, Holy Spirit, to keep the promises of God's word that you remove our failures and sins as far as the east from the west. They're not only forgiven, they're forgotten. They'll no longer plague us. They'll no longer ever be a reason that we would call ourselves unclean or listen to a voice because it's under your blood and no one touches it there, not even us. And we're free now to run. Run barefoot through the grass and enjoy your presence, Lord. In Jesus' name.